Okay, we're back with another episode of Ben Shun Talk Shit, and I'm so excited for today's guest, Liz Tran, who is someone that I found and followed on Instagram for a while. And it was just so exciting when we finally connected and you just came out with this amazing new book. So if anyone is not familiar with Liz, she's an executive coach, founder of Reset, which is a modern learning company, and now the author of this book that just came out, The Karma of Success, which is spiritual strategies to for your inner genius. So I would love to just pass the mic over to you. So if anyone is new to you, that you can they can learn about who you are. So tell us about yourself, Liz. Yeah, I am someone who has had kind of a winding road to where I am. And I think I battled myself for a long time of, am I a business person or am I a spiritual person? And there was always this dichotomy where, you know, I was working in tech, but I also was studying meditation, studying yoga, becoming a Reiki master. And I always felt like I had to pick one side or the other. And this book that just came out, which I sold two years ago, was this huge transition point in my career where originally it was a business book. It was about how to go after your big goals. I think it was called something like how to go for it. And my agent was like, Liz, this is boring. (laughs) You know, you have a great platform. You're a great writer. Um, But this has all been said before. So what makes you you? And it's so funny because I was in my mid-30s, but I was so shy to say that this is who I am, that I'm both. And she said, write both, write a spirituality book that's also a business book. And that's what I did. And so it feels like now at the age of 38 and the book is out in the world and it's this kind of statement about the fact that, you know, you can claim your own identity. It doesn't have to be, you know, something that fits really squarely into a box. You know, I had this fear that, you know, I coach CEOs and founders of tech companies. And I thought if they know how much spirituality means to me and how I base my career off of it and how my success has come from that, does that seem legitimate? And then I was like, you know what? It is legitimate because I just did it. (laughs) And so that's who I am. I love that. They're like, yeah, here, I'm the proof. I love that so much. And I know that so many people are going to be able to relate to that because I feel like we're really at a time where it's this massive transition where we don't have to just be one thing and we don't have to fit into one box anymore. And we can be all kinds of uh, versions of ourselves that at one point, maybe we had to hide. You know, we had to just have one career, one identity, one path. And I think this is so freeing for so many people who have many interests. I, I think you and I are very similar. I moved to New York to work in the fashion industry when I was 17. And in 2010, I got into yoga and meditation. I fell in love with it. And in my life now, I still have moments where I'm like, if people find out like how deep in the deep end I am, what are they going to think? Or how are they going to feel? And it's so funny, and I'm sure that you've probably also had this experience as well, where maybe people that have lo- you've looked up to are like, wow, Liz, can you actually help me? I need some advice or I want to you know, get more connected to myself. So congratulations on your book. And by the way, I am loving it. And I love how easy it is to read. And you take these massive concepts and really break them down in a way that's really accessible through storytelling. I love the book, getting to learn about you and your life. But you know, first things first is I would love to know what does success mean to you? Because I was watching <laughs> some stuff that you had out recently 
recently and reading your book as well. And I just love how you define success. So I would love for our listeners to get a peek into what that means to you. Yeah, absolutely. I love this question because it's been one that I've been trying to answer for a long time. And what I realized is that success is not something that is given to us or something that we earn. It's That's what we think, right? Mm-hmm. We think if we get this job or land this client or we reach Forbes 30 under 30, whatever that milestone is, that we'll feel successful. And it never works that way. <laughs> There's something I love in psychology called the arrival fallacy where we think when we get the thing, we'll be happy but we actually never are. You know, it's the same concept in Buddhism too, where it's not actually about arrival, chasing the thing and getting it. You know, there's a detachment that actually makes us more happy. And so in my eyes, success means an internal meaning that you bring to yourself. And that's where true happiness, like long lasting fulfillment and satisfaction comes from, is from exploring the inner crevices of who each of us are as human beings, and then deciding for ourselves what our own unique definition of success is. And just as an example, obviously this book came out, it was something I've been dreaming about for a very long time. And truly the day it was published, it was great, you know, great results, but I didn't feel any different really. What actually made me happy was going into it. I said, you know, there are certain sales milestones that would obviously be great to have that I'm working towards, but what my definition of success is, is something internal. And I'm going to define it as three things. One, I want to be present and grateful for this experience, really savor every minute of it. Two, I want to use this as an opportunity to connect with people, whether it's people like you or media that I'm doing or readers of the book. I want to make some great connections and meaningful conversations. And then finally, three, I just want to have fun and I want to enjoy myself and not, you know, be so hard on myself the whole time. And it was interesting because those three definitions of success for myself are really what anchored me into the present. And then all the external stuff followed. And so I think what we think is, you know, we do the external stuff first, we get our milestones done, and then we'll get the internal happiness. But it's actually the opposite. We start with internal. We make sure there's values alignment. We know why we're doing what we're doing. And then really easily, all the external stuff unfolds. I love that so much. I had a similar experience years ago uh, when I first started getting financially together. It was something I was working so hard towards. I was like, when I make this 100K, I'm going to feel confident and successful. And I was like, I feel the same. I just have money in the bank account now. So if people are in that position, what would be your first recommendation for them if they're kind of just at that point, maybe they're first hearing this concept for the first time and a light bulb is going off. What would your recommendation be to be the next step for that? Yeah. So what I would say is that money, status, prestige, those are all magnifiers for how we truly feel. So if there's already sort of a dissatisfaction with who you are and insecurity, you know, it's all natural. We feel that the money and the prestige is not going to make it better. It's just going to magnify it. And if you're, you know, feel content with who you are, then it magnifies it as well. You know, I used to work in venture capital. I worked in finance before I left 
And I saw all sides of the spectrums. You know, I grew up extremely poor. And so I grew up in a world where everyone was on food stamps and Section 8 housing. And then I suddenly, when I was in my early 30s, started working in a world where everyone was a millionaire. And it was crazy, like the the difference. And I looked around and I thought, people aren't happier here. <laughs> you know, like to see those two extremes of, you know, the top 0.1% versus, you know, the bottom 1% and realizing that we are all just humans wrestling with the same things. And so I would, what I would say to each person is to think about, okay, do you know what motivates you? And if you haven't gotten into personality assessments like human design, astrology, numerology, even the classic ones like, you know, Myers-Briggs, learn about them, learn about who you are. And then you'll start to hear language of what your satisfaction might be derived from because everyone's different, right? Um, And I tend to think that there are eight Mm -hmm. key motivators and each of us is influenced by two or three of them. You know, we each have like top two or three. Can I share them with everyone really quickly? I I was about (laughs) to say, can you, we would love to know, please give us the tea. Okay, great. So as I'm going through, anyone who's listening, just think about which ones really stick out to you. I'll be really proud of myself. I can name them all. <laughs> the first one is recognition. We love the like this is this our community loves self-evaluation, investigation. So any tools you have, we are down for it. So we can't wait. Yes. Okay. So first is recognition. And this is not in a bad way of like, oh, you need to win awards and be written about in, you know, magazines. It's basically about you care that people see you and say, like, thank you for your work. Thank you for what you do. And you might be very motivated by recognition if you're also doing that a lot for other people. You know, you're saying, hey, I see you. I recognize you. The second one is called impact. And that's about having agency and power over your decisions and actions. So people who are really impact motivated tend to want to work for themselves or at least not have a boss and they have a hard time operating in big bureaucratic environments where there's a lot of layers to get anything done. I'm raising my hand. I and it's something that I struggle with and also see as a strength too. You know, it's something that I see as a strength as I love to get things done. You know, I'm like, here's how we can do this. And that's like also manifesting generally. Yes. Like, here's how we can do it and really quickly. And here's how we get it done. So learning that act of like patience and breathing has been really interesting. But now hearing that it's an impact motivator, that's really special to hear that different layer of it. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And I'm also impact motivated. And I have to remind myself that not everyone is. And it's okay. You know, sometimes I get frustrated with my friends or people I'm working with. And I remember they are, may not be impact motivated and they do want a more collaborative or even top-down approach to, to getting their work done. And like, maybe I need to provide that. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really helpful frame. Yeah. Um, the third one is altruism. So this is like, do you care about being of service to others? And do you like it when people help you as mm-hmm. well? Um, the fourth is affiliation. So this is a feeling of belonging. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to feel like part of a group, a community, a team? Mm-hmm. This one is very low for me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm an Aquarius lone wolf, but some people are very much like they want their tribe, which is totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is aesthetics. So this is like, do you care about quality? I'm like, wait, I'm all of these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at your background. I'm like, definitely aesthetics. Like, and, and aesthetics is also about authorship. Like you want to have 
a perspective and a POV mm-hmm. and you want to put it out in the world. Like you want to author something. Um, and so that's so true of mention, you know, you created that, mm-hmm. you came up with that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a, a true aesthetics motivator. The next is data. Like, do you care about information analysis? You know, a lot of researchers and quants are like that. And then the final one is around competence. Um, and this is, these are people who love to learn and get better, which I feel like is you because you're always learning new things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a really strong one where, you know, you're compelled by the acquisition of knowledge and also getting really good at things as well. Mm-hmm. And so all of those definitely could resonate with people, but generally there are two or three that really stand out. And that's sort of the beginning of how you know what success looks like to you. And I think the second step too is also saying what it's not. Mm-hmm. And to be able to, you know, very finitely say, it doesn't matter to me to have X, Y, and Z. And when I left my job in venture capital, it was kind of a scary thing because, you know, I was making like half a million dollars a year. And this was like life-changing money for me and my family, given that we had I had been so poor growing up. And, you know, there was no one really in my family who is going to be able to support like my mom, my extended family, et cetera. And I had to say to myself, I don't want to be the kind of person who makes choices Mm -hmm. based on safety. And I don't want to be the kind of person who makes choices just based on money. And obviously I love making money. (laughs) You know, I think it's an energetic exchange and I think it's very important, but it wasn't going to be my core primary driver. And I said, I want to be the kind of person who believes in myself and can take a risk and say like, yeah, I'm going to stand behind this dream. I love this so much because, you know, you had such strong and you have such strong motivators that could have pushed you to keep going. Like, I need to take care of my family. I need to make sure that I can support everyone, including myself. There's a couple of things I want to dive into. One is that there was a part in your book where you talked to something similar like this. Um, I believe it was the chapter with the intuitive self where you talked about that job interview that you had where you were on the third round and the person came in and they were late and they were not really being respectful while you were interviewing and you walked away from that experience and you emailed the company and i believe it was a pretty good opportunity that came that was that would have been a really you know high end type of opportunity and you walked out of that experience and you said you know what that didn't feel great to me that didn't feel like i felt valued even after like the two first probably fine interviews but that third one you were like no like that didn't feel good to me and i love I was like, yes, bitch. When you walked out and you (laughs) sent that email and you were like, "Mm, no. And you sent an email saying, I'm going to remove myself from this. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And they emailed you back right away and said, no, no, no. We need you to be here. And I just love that you shared that so much because I think that that's something that I've been learning as well. And I know so many people are going to find that inspiring because how many people will not do that? right? Because we we want that thing. And what you did was you set a boundary that said, I know myself, I value myself and I value my time and my energy and what I have to give. And they really saw that through you saying no. And so can you just talk a little bit to that experience and, and how did you even get to a point where you could trust yourself like that? Yeah. It's a great question because I really didn't trust myself for a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we can all resonate with the feeling of you know, we experience it in our bodies Mm -hmm. when something doesn't feel good. It like actually feels kind of icky and wrong and doesn't sit with us physically. And there were so many times previously where I had ignored that feeling, particularly in 
romantic relationships or any sort of relationships where I felt like someone had more power than I did, or I didn't deserve to assert myself. And I think it just got to the point where like, I had, I was going through therapy. I was like getting more into my spirituality. And I realized that it was like, okay, any opportunity that makes me feel bad about myself is also detracting from my power. Mm -hmm. And I could get this great opportunity, but if it's pulling away from my power, I'm never going to be successful there. Like if they're going to treat me like this in an interview, how are they ever going to give me the opportunities to grow and thrive? And so that's the thing is like, I've felt like so much of, you know, stepping into myself, my intuition is knowing that I am my number one provider. I can give myself opportunities. I can open up roads for myself and I don't need to cheapen myself to be depend on someone else to do it for me. And I think that was a big learning of, you know, switching from a codependent mindset um, to one that is more empowered is, you know, I put so much stock into these relationships with other people, hoping that they would give me something back, like love, companionship, security, something. I was like, if I give you enough of me, then maybe you'll give back to me. And then at a certain point, I saw that it wasn't working. I got divorced after getting married in my 20s. I was like, you know what? This is a really inefficient way of doing things. Instead of trying to get other people to do stuff for me, why don't I just do it for myself? And so when I sat in that room, I was like, you know, I'm looking to these people to make my career. And as a result, like if they're going to treat me badly in the process, then I don't need it. And it's been really true that now I keep kind of like a running log of every time I have data to validate this. You know, even when I was looking for an agent for my book, there was one agent who was a big, big time agent. He represented a bunch of New York Times bestsellers. And he really put me through the ringer of like wanting me to make all these changes to my book. A big important part of my book is showing different types of success. So women, people of color, people who are queer showing up as entrepreneurs in ways that you wouldn't expect. And he was like, I don't believe this is useful. And you should take this out of your proposal. Because I think I said something like, I want to show more accessible form of entrepreneurship. And as soon as he said that, I was like, I'm done talking to him. And I just felt it in my body. Mm -hmm. It was like a full... It was like the opposite of, you know, when you feel a yes Love. and it's like a chill. I felt like a no, which was like a wanted mm-hmm. to go throw up in the bathroom <laughs> type situation. And so now I just really try to tune in. Yeah. A couple of things. I love that, uh, what you said about how you referenced relationships, romantic relationships, and how that taught you about power and about yourself and about how valuing yourself. Because um, when people join Benchon Course of the Month, especially if it's their first time, they're like, I want to change everything in my life. And I'm like, well, just if you focus on one area first, because we can't change it all at once. You know, if you focus on one area, it's going to ripple out into other areas of your life. And for me, very similar. It was romantic relationships. I was single for eight years and it really taught me a lot about myself and about who I am and what I want and how I want to be treated. And also conversely through work, getting more into that confident female entrepreneur vibe of I'm not going to tolerate this and this is what I want and this is what I value. It ripples into every area of your life. So I love that you gave that reference. And then also, I just think that people are going to find this so helpful to hear. It's validating to hear someone like yourself who is so successful and that you really listen to your intuition because it can feel so 
confusing. It can be like, is that a fear? Is that a just an insecurity? And I know it takes practice and I know that you've probably practiced with it, but to just, after that one conversation, which I would have also been like, I'm sorry, goodbye, you know, shut the door. Yeah. But a lot of people might have been afraid to say no to someone of that caliber as an agent and not listen to their intuition that that felt wrong or that interview that you did where you said, you know what, even though this is number three and one and two went kind of good, this is not going to work for me. So I love that so much. And can you just tell us a little bit about um, the time that you spent doing your yoga teacher training? I love that story. There was a part, I just want to find it. There was a part in the book where you're, I think it was you saw an astrologer and they basically were like, everything you do with everyone else will fail. <laughs> and I was like, what do you do with that information? I mean, so when you heard that, how did you, can you just, I might not be saying it right. It was uh, saved in my phone, but I remember reading that and I was like, I would just, just scream in a pillow if I heard that, you know? So what did you do with that information at that time? I mean, I was so distraught about this information because, you know, I was on this trip with my then husband um, I had gotten married at like 26 or 27, really early for New York City. You know, like everyone else, all my friends were just still mm-hmm. kind of hanging around. And I think it was because I'd grown up in a lot of uncertainty and I was just like, I need to just check these boxes. You know, this is the time in my life where mm-hmm. I was still chasing external markers of success versus internal. Mm-hmm. So I had a whole checklist and getting married to someone who looked really great on paper was one of those things, but he and I weren't getting along well. And I really wanted to go to India to study yoga. He did not. So he went somewhere else. And so I was in India by myself. We were trying to figure out if we could make our relationship work. And I went to go see an astrologer who someone told me was like the best Vedic astrologer in Northern India. So I kind of trekked up this big hill to go see him. And it was so interesting because unlike Western astrologers I've seen, he did not ask me any questions. He really just looked at my chart and he just gave me the news straight up, which I actually really respect. <laughs> like, let's get into it. <laughs> and he really, and not only did he say that everything I made with any an, another person would fail, he also said I was going to get divorced. He said, your marriage is not going to work out. I was so upset about it. But like everything he said, did you kind of know yourself already? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. I did, but it's so funny because at that moment, I couldn't admit it to my, myself yet. Mm-hmm. Even though I knew, I was like, okay, there's a there's some truth here. And so I went to my yoga teachers and I said, you know, this is what happened. Do you believe in astrology? <laughs> and they were like, so nice about it. You know, I think this is the only way you can answer. But they were like, yeah, we believe in astrology, but mm-hmm. you know, your fate is your fate. And so maybe this is an opportunity to make a choice and double down on your relationship. Because I think they didn't want to say to me, he was right. You're going to get divorced. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, everyone's really in a fragile state during yoga teacher training anyway. Yeah. You know, you're pushing your body so hard and, yeah. you know, spiritually growing so much. And it was funny because I did the opposite. I went back to my relationship and I really tried hard to make it work. But within a year, it all crumbled. And he and I were working on a couple of work projects together at the time, and those all crumbled as well. And you know, the advice was right. And I just couldn't hear it at the time, but I come back to it all the time now. And that's so refreshing because I too am someone that received a lot of advice from various different people. And, you know, I don't regret any time that it took 
to get there, you know. And in human design, I also have a three-five profile, which means I have to hit my head on the wall five hundred times until I get the message. So, you know, there's no regret. There was one relationship I was in. It took me a minute to get out of that, and even though I knew deep down it wasn't working, something inside of me was fighting for it. You know, I just want, it was that inner child thing where I wanted to be chosen, you know, instead of choosing myself first, Mm -hmm. things got rocky and I saw a psychic and she was someone that a friend recommended. I have my people that I'm very dedicated to. My two mentors I've been with for 13, almost 14 years now. Um, Like one other person that's more new, but you know, I'm like diehard fam. But my friends, they suggested this woman and I was just kind of in that place where I was like, why not? Let's just give it a whirl. And she came very highly recommended. And in our first session, it was similar to your guy where she was just like, oh yeah, this person sucks. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, 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 back up, you know, because you never hear it that bluntly, you know, she's like, oh yeah, he sucks. And I was like, wow, okay. Fully expecting she was going to say the opposite. And it was really special because she told me, she was like, you need to make a list of everything that you want. Mm. And I was like, I've made a hundred lists. Like the universe knows my order. It's cooking. They're taking a little bit too much time and the uh, roast oven. And she was like, no, no, no. You need to make a list from where you are now. And for some reason, something in that clicked. And that was really the first time that I got really serious about like, what do I need? What do I value? And what are my insecurities? And also knowing that like, they're not going to go away. You know, we deal with them better, but I was always kind of waiting to like be the perfect person and then be like super independent, nothing's wrong. And um, that was life-changing, really. That's why I admire so much because that moment for me was that level up where I was like, this is who I am and this is what I want and I'm not going to take anything less than this. And my life changed really dramatically after that in a very short period of time too. And that relate into every area of life, work, relationships, everything. I love you making a list because I think everyone should have a list about not even just the relationship they want, but how they want to be treated by other people mm-hmm. in their relationship in this world in general. Mm-hmm. You know, like to even say, you know, this is the type of behavior that I don't want in my life anymore because my mom is, you know, a narcissistic personality type. Mm-hmm. I really let in a lot of really toxic people into my life for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think making a list finally, it sounds so simple, but even making a list of something simple like, I want a friend who asks me 50% of the questions. Love that. Yeah. I want a friend who lets me talk 50% of the time in our mm-hmm. conversations. Mm-hmm. I want a friend who like lifts me up instead of making me feel like I need to shrink myself and make myself smaller. And there is something so powerful about just putting words on the paper. I don't know. I feel like it releases something into the universe. A hundred percent. It's. I always talk about that. Um, there's a magic that happens when we write something down and really think about. One of the biggest changes for me was really, I lost a friend three years ago and that person really showed me, one of the things that I loved about that person was they just loved people as weird and goofy as they were. And that was really the first time where I got to see like the weirder you were, the more you you were, the, all the bullshit that you weren't like trying to keep up that person loved about you. Mm. So that was really the first time that I got to experience myself in that way. And that became the barometer moving forward where I was like, oh, the more myself I am, the more fun I am to be around and not just be around, but it like amplifies my experiences with other people. And I'm not trying to fit into some kind of box that doesn't 
feel good. You know, when you like try to play cool, you be a type of way, you're not being yourself. So then you don't attract people that match actually the full experience of you that would just amplify joy, fun, pleasure, better relationships, romantic and friendship. When you level up, things are going to change and, and we're going to evolve. There's that part in your book where you talked about that uh, Buddhist master who they asked him to sum up in a nutshell mm-hmm. and the audience laughed and in one sentence and the audience laughed and he goes, everything changes. Next question. And I just <laughs> loved that because it's so true. It's so true. Everything is always changing. And I think what you said about the times where you feel like you've banged your head against the wall like 50 times, I have done that too all the time. And, you know, I can as easily list like a whole slew of the things that did not work out. Mm -hmm. And that list is like 10 times longer than my list of achievements. But I'm really proud of it because those are all the stepping stones along the way. And so I think, you know, something I really try to say in the book is that changing your mind about something is great, right? Like it's not something to be ashamed of. You know, if you had a project that you were doing, it didn't work out, that's great too. And everyone thinks that success is when you master a skill, but success is actually when you master failure and you become really great at it and you don't let it get you down and you never let it change how you think of yourself and your ability to achieve your goals. I love that. There was one uh, show that, that's on Netflix, I believe, Rap Caviar. And the first episode is with Tyler, mm-hmm. the creator. And there's one part in the show that I don't remember the exacts of it, but I believe he was up for a Grammy, I believe. And I think he was up against, I don't remember exactly who he was up against, But basically he lost. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, instead of being defeated, that's when he actually became successful. That's when he was like, I'm going to get in the studio Mm -hmm. and I'm going to start figuring out like what makes me different and what makes me unique. And he started, you know, really playing around in the studio, spending more time, more time, more energy. And that was the moment that really catapulted him. And then his next song was like mega, mega success hit. So I love that because I think that there is, and exactly what you said as well, there's so many misconceptions and I don't know if it's because we're just not taught this stuff in school, you know, and maybe it's just we have this, we only see what we see with our eyes and we look to people who are successful and we see their lifestyle and their lives and and their achievements, but we don't see what goes on behind the scenes and everything that it took to get there. So I love when people share that hey, actually it was like the 10,000 failures that I went through that aren't actually failures. They're just stepping stones. And I love that what you said, because it's really, they just, for me, I've always found that like when things don't go well, that's when I learn more about myself. Mm -hmm. Do you find that to be true as well? Yeah. And I find that actually the moments where I've been the happiest are when I've gone through something hard And just like the story of Tyler, the creator, and then you pull through with resilience into kind of like, you know, that butterfly moment Mm -hmm. where you're coming out of your cocoon. And that's the thing is like the achievements, you know, it's a whole thing where you said, you know, you started making a lot of money and you weren't actually that happy. I've had that same experience with achievements, but I'm always so joyful and thrilled when I go through something hard and I come out the other end and I'm like, wow, good job. You did it. Like that feels like something to be really proud of. I did it. Yeah. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. And and that's something that like when I teach and when I share, I just try to remind people that there's a lot of buzzwords right now, radiance, magnetism, and we all use them and prosperity and abundance. But 
with that comes equal challenges. And and I love the word challenge instead of, you know, I love this book that I always reference, The Hidden Language Code um, by R. Mm. Neville Johnston. And he talks about, have you heard of this book? I haven't, but I want to read it now. Oh my gosh. You're going to fly to the moon with this book. Basically, this uh, man, R. Neville Johnston, he was uh, shot and he, and he died, basically. And when he came back, he had this download of understanding of, what languages and what words are. And he basically explained that words are prepackaged software programming. And when there's all these words that have pre-programmed lack in them, and then there's also words that have a uh, programmed abundance in them. So there's one area where he talks about instead of using the word hard, like this is hard. He said hard is a hard stop. If you say this is hard, it's going to just be hard. Like math is hard versus math is challenging. Then I can rise to the challenge and learn about it and figure out different ways. So it is that thing. Like when you go through something challenging and you come out on the other side, that's the moment where you, it's not for anybody else, but for you. Like I did it. I did it. And um, just as we wrap up, I just want to cycle back and just Remind all of our listeners, if you just go rewind the podcast and listen to Liz's definition of success a hundred times, because that took me a really long time to get to. I mean, how did you find that success came from within? Was it all of your studies, you know, and just kind of trying to figure out who you were? But it's so powerful to know that your success is not how many followers you have or how much money you have in the bank. So how did you get to that understanding? Yeah, Definitely. And, you know, I think a lot of it came from spending time with my own self in my interior world. And I love hearing that you were single for eight years because like not everyone has to be single to do this. If you're in a relationship, it's okay. But I think having that interior... A lot of situationships (laughs) for eight years, just to be clear. It wasn't single. I'm a Scorpio. So I love love through and through. But it was like, you know, one month, three months for eight years, just just to clear our audience. Totally. Got it. (laughs) Situationships. And I think that's important to go inward, get to know yourself, find out who you are. Um, Because I think we rely on the external um, markers of success when we don't have our own internal balance for ourselves. You know, if we don't have that vocabulary to describe what we want, then naturally we're just going to do the default. We're going to be in that pre-programmed track that we're supposed to be on. And so it just takes intention and it takes care. And I want everyone just to know that who you are is so interesting and unique and special. And so don't you deserve to put so much care and attention into figuring out what makes you happy, what makes you thrive. I always describe this term as the zone of genius, right? So what's the work that you love to do that gives you energy and gives you life and gives you power? And obviously we can't all be in our zone of genius, you know, 100% of the time we have things to do like our taxes, you know, unless you love doing your taxes, but, you know, like cleaning our apartments, like things that just, you know, you have the detritus of life, but to know what it is and to codify that, articulate it, and then do whatever you can so that you can be in that state, that will set you free. It'll make you so energized. It'll make you so happy. And so that's what I'll say is like any minute, hour, day that you invest in yourself, that will pay back tenfold anything you can do that is like an action that you take to kind of fit into the external world. I love that. And just to touch on that, because we live in a time right now where it's just more, 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 especially, you know, more followers, more numbers, more this, more that, more money. 
uh, last year in December, I don't know what was happening in December. I need to go back and like ask my astrologers. I love to like just look at the tea, what was going on back mm-hmm. then. But I was just getting so much external unsolicited advice on what I should do with my business. And a lot of the advice was, oh, you have 250, 200, 250 people a month. You need to go to like 4K. Like, what What are you doing? Why aren't you 5K, 6K? Why are you capping it at that? And at that point, I started listening to them. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. How can I grow? And how can I do this? And at some point, I don't remember what happened, but I really took a step back and I sat with that. And I was like, do I want, is that what I want Mm -hmm. to grow digitally? I would love to help that many people. That would be a dream. But is this the way I want to do it? Is it the avenue I want to take? One of the motivators that you brought up, community is so important to me. And building experiences where people can come together and be in community, I was like, that is more my zone of genius. Like what you said, that is more where I thrive. That's where I feel the most joy. That's the path of least resistance. So I took a beat. I was like, if I'm meant to get to 4K, let the universe work it out how I'm going to get there. Yes, Because I just want to figure out how to get more into my zone of genius and doing what I love. Because if I do that, then other people are naturally going to have a good time as well. So I love all of this. I love this conversation. And uh, we're just about finished. So thank you so much for your time and your thoughtfulness and everything you shared. I know people are going to really take a lot from this. And you haven't gotten the book yet. Run to get Liz's book. I love it. It's so easy to read. And it's one of those books where I feel like I'm going to refer to it at every level up, you know, just kind of like go back and reread it and just evaluate, okay, am I aligned with myself and what I want and my values? So any last words that you want to share? I just think that you're, well, I'll just respond to the example you gave. I love that. Like, and I think what I'll say to everyone is like, explore and look back in your past and think about the moments where when you listen to yourself, when you tuned Mm -hmm. into yourself, it was the right choice. And we all have that. We just, you know, the voice is always trying to, guide us that intuition. And so just make time for it because it's magic, you know, even 15 minutes a day where you're just like not on your phone, not listening to music, you know, just maybe having a cup of tea. That's time where the magic can come in and your intuition can flow. Mm -hmm. And I love that because, you know, that I love the reference that you gave, like look back, you know, that really, it's so powerful. When you look back, you make a list or you just mentally make a list and you're like, yeah, I saw that red flag day one, you know, in the yes. interview and or in that first date. And I was like, love a bouquet of red flags, you know, and you just went for <laughs> it. And then we go, what happened? What What's wrong with me? Why didn't they like me? Why did they fire me? Why did I quit? Why did they dump me? And it's like, you saw the red flag. And by you, I mean me too, you know, in the beginning. Yeah. And when I look back, because then when I started to get, you know, similar to you more and more, clear about those feelings inside, I was like, holy shit, I'm saving time. I'm saving energy. I'm saving money. I'm saving my mental health. So it started to get so much easier to say no. And the really challenging thing, I think, but it's also rewarding over time. But the challenging thing is when you say no and everyone else is like, what the hell? Yes, exactly. And later on, they're like, whoa, you're a witch. And it's like, no, we all have this intuition. You know what? That is actually such a clue in my life that I'm on the right path is when I, oh, I love say I'm doing something and a lot of people are like, whoa, this is crazy. Are you sure? And that has often been like my indicator of like, you know what? This means I'm doing the right thing 
for me. I love that because when I was reading the book, I was putting myself in your shoes, especially in that interview part of the book where interview one went good, interview two went good, interview three, you're like, I don't like this. I'm out. How many people would have probably been like, you're being a little rash, you know, maybe that person, that person's busy, that person's a CEO, whatever they were, you know, like Mm -hmm. we would have made excuses for how we felt internally. And that's why I read that book. I put the book down. I looked at my cat. I was like, queen things only this is what <laughs> where we're at you know I love it because I mean and dating too I, I'm sure you can relate to this I've dated people where I was like something's off mm-hmm. and I felt it and my friends were like what are you talking about everything's great things are going good you're being a little dramatic and then they're getting back together with their ex-girlfriend and yes. I was like I felt something you know so anything take Liz's advice listen to your intuition, sit down for 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day, and your life will change if not just from that. So thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. If you like this episode, share it with someone else who you think would love it too. And if you want to explore the topics we discuss even further, head over to Benshin.co to check out our current courses, workshops, and upcoming events. And I'll be back next time to discuss more things that I'm so honestly into on Benshin Talks Shit.